0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today we're diving into how to build and distribute a competitive Intel newsletter that actually gets read. Because it's one thing to just collect a bunch of external Intel and spray it out to your team in a newsletter, but a truly valuable one does a lot more than that. So I invited two experts to join me, Nick Larson, the product marketing manager at Banana Tag, and our very own Brandon Bedford, uh, an account executive at Clue, to share their advice on how to get started, why knowing your audience is crucial to the success of your newsletter, and what you can do to create engaging content that will actually get consumed by your audience. Also, a quick technical note, my worst podcast nightmare did come true this episode. We had some recording issues about 27 minutes in or so, So if there's like an awkward stop-start transition, apologies. I promise it won't happen again. Uh, Actually, it might, but I'm going to try my best. Anyways, with that all said, let's get into today's episode. All right. Today, I'm joined by two guests, actually. Uh, First off, I'm joined by Nick Larson, the product marketing manager at BananaTag. And if you haven't heard of Banana Tag, they're a Canadian startup. They're in the internal communications platform, and they recently just merged with the German SaaS company Staff Base. And Nick leads Banana Tag's go to market process. He owns their competitive program and he assists with sales enablement and training. Nick, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: We're also joined by Clue's very own Brandon Bedford who is an account executive with us. In addition to closing deals, Brandon has also done an awesome job of running our own competitive newsletter for what, six months or so now, Brandon? Uh, Just about, maybe yeah, between four and six months, I'd say. So we're also joined by Brandon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Great to be here. And for this episode, we're actually going to talk about what it takes to distribute competitive content in a way that actually gets consumed. And as I just mentioned their intro and Brandon is one of these methods is through a competitive newsletter. We've got Brandon, who's done a great job the past six months or so, like just an awesome newsletter, the qualitative and quantitative feedback on our side has been, it's been like a roaring success. And then Nick, I mean, you're running the competitive program, you're, you're creating the competitive newsletter. I know, You have some of the best engagement metrics that we've seen. Plus, I mean, banana tag, internal comms, kind of the pinnacle of internal comms too. So this is sort of like a triple whammy here. For the episode, let's jump into what you've done to build an awesome newsletter out, some of the lessons you've learned along the way, and what all of the listeners can kind of do to get started and be successful in doing so. So to kick it off, Nick, why build a competitive newsletter?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, as you kind of alluded to there, Banana Tag is all about internal email. It uh, It's kind of funny. It's not, uh, it's not the sexiest internal communication channel, but 97% of companies still use it. It's still by far the most widely used channel for internal columns. Um, you don't have to set anything up. The channel exists. The channel's there. And now, ironically, these other channels like Slack and Teams and places like that are becoming super crowded super hard to keep on top of and what creating a newsletter can do or a, in this case yeah a competitive Intel digest is provide that kind of like home that place that place to go back to that place to refer to that you know is where the latest content is going to be for you
0: so it's sort of like a, a home base on on your on your front Brandon, where have you found like the competitive newsletter fits in compared to other competitive collateral that product marketers and folks that are running competitive programs are, are doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, my perspective coming to the table as a seller, I kind of think of the competitive newsletter as like what's new and what's what's happened recently. Uh, I've been at Clue for just about 18 months of coming up on two years. And I'm starting to feel like I'm i I can hold my own in competitive situations. Uh you know, I I kind of understand our competitive positioning. Um, I don't need to re, you know, review battle cards every single time. Um, but what I really want to know is, hey, what's new? What's happening with our competitors? Uh, what's changed uh, in the battle card, maybe since the last time I checked? And so that's where I see the newsletter playing a role. It's uh, obviously you know, battle cards and content will always be the go-to spot uh, for competitive positioning and, and what I need to know. But the newsletter kind of reminds me of like, hey, this is what's new. This is what's changed. Um, perhaps since the last time I've I've checked clue, for example.
0: In terms of like what is in terms of how it's different from say a battle card or your one pager, like those assets, Nick, like what how how does it like how does it fit compared to those things as well when you when you're producing your competitive content, you're sifting through all of this intel that's coming in and you're deciphering this will go into a battle card, this will go into into yeah, a one pager, this will be coming into the newsletter how do you kind of decipher that
1: yeah well, like to- totally like brandon said it's it's what's new it's the changes the battle card for us at least is the go-to source of truth um every everything that you need to kind of get educated on each competitor from scratch whereas the newsletter is what's changed with that competitor larger shifts were seen in the market Uh, maybe, you know, stories about particular deals that we're facing a competitor in, really just that kind of uh, month-to-month learning as we move forward. And one of the cool things about Clue, I'll I'll give you guys a little plug here, is that when you update the battle cards, it shows that in the newsletter, in your competitive intel digest, it shows what, uh, what battle cards have been updated recently. So it's, yeah, super, super helpful. Like, you know, things that go in the newsletter might also go in the battle cards. They might also go in the one pager, but that newsletter is kind of the first, uh, first place for communication with our sales teams.
0: I promise we didn't pay him to say that. I swear. I swear. Um, okay. Let's get into like the process of actually creating this newsletter. What is something unexpected that you learned when you were producing this newsletter, Brandon, as someone that's coming into this, I mean, you're the seller and perspective you've consumed a whole lot of competitive content and now it's time to start producing it for people. What's something that you learned?
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's something unexpected. It's a really good question. I think whenever I thought about kind of our competitive program at an arm's length, I always thought, Oh, there's, there's going to be a ton of like Intel research and, and things that are happening out on the web that will be really valuable. But something that was unexpected to me was actually the content that I think people have been resonating with most uh, in terms of like our reading our newsletter is actually internally shared content. So it's actually the, you know, the, the deals that we're winning against competitors, or we have this, you know, term we call a rip and replace, which is when a, a client moves from a competitor and then starts using clue, those kinds of customer stories aren't things that you know clues scraping from the web in terms of our technology those are internal stories that are shared in our crm or in Slack, and those are actually what i'm finding are the the things that people are really interested to hearing i think you actually mentioned that nick around um like stories and um those kinds of uh, more nuanced pieces that are all internal comms it's not necessarily what's happening out on you know on the public web uh, that was something that just comes to mind in terms of what was unexpected
0: what about, what about you, Nick? Uh,
2: honestly, and uh, this
1: this kind of, a, kind of a funny one for us is how, how popular the newsletter has been for us. Like we hear our clients telling us that uh, how effective their own internal newsletters are for them you know, every single day. And then uh, at least for, for me and for my team, this, this was the first uh, first newsletter that we're really sending organization wide at Banana Tag. And the engagement it gets is, like, like you said, it's really good, it's incredible. Um, and kind kind of interest. One interesting observation I've had is like I'll still post things on Slack, kind of in between uh, in between Intel Digests. And those con- those Slack posts don't really kick off conversations. It's really when something hits the Intel Digest that people kind of realize, oh, this is something I should take notice of, and and they they start talking about it.
0: That's super interesting. I mean, there is a ton of value in your Slack and Microsoft Teams, but there also is also we've all had that moment where things almost feel like a bit of a black hole and you're like, I can, especially if it's not your job, like there's archived like tons and tons of messages. It's like, did I summon slip through the cracks? But like you mentioned there, if the digest is the go-to place for someone to consume the content, and like, you've picked out the most important of the last six posts in that competitive channel that really, really matters, really moves the needle, or you think will actually resonate and you can, you're kind of doing that like curating or filtering yourself.
2: If I can actually add on there, I think something, and I don't know if you were referring to this, Nick, but within the like the actual newsletter itself and having the ability to send that newsletter, not just via email, but also into Slack, um, I've noticed that not many people will reply to our newsletter and like send back through email, but when it gets sent into a Slack channel, into our competitive Intel Slack channel, people are adding to that thread and, you know, starting discussions based off of the newsletter content. I don't know if that's what you were getting at there, but I've definitely noticed that those, those kinds of threads are where people want to jump in and, and contribute even more. Um, now that they're seeing content being sent out, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally.
1: And then another thing that for us that drives is adoption of Clue itself, because people see that link in that channel. And we've obviously we've rolled Clue out to all of our salespeople, but there's people on other teams that might find value in it as well. And they see they see it, they click those they click the link go into a newsletter, and instantly they become Clue users, right? Because they have to log in through uh, through our uh, G Suite, and yeah, and then then all of a sudden they're, they're in the platform, they're contributing intel, and it's it's great for growing the use of the tool.
0: All right, this one, Nick, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get you to brag a little bit here because you mentioned like unexpected. Something unexpected is the the open rates, the engagement, the actual value that people are providing like that's something you noticed i'm also i did a little research i am a i'm a professional here guys and i learned that the ceo at staff base so the company you're merging with nick got forwarded your newsletter and also reached out to you directly to say this thing is really good and we can't wait to to continue some of them like this with, with staff bases, this merge is going on. So Nick, why, why, why is it resonating with people? What are, what are the first couple things that you think that you think of when people are like, this is awesome, we're reading it, we're checking for it?
1: Yeah, I think the main thing is that it's just like such a approachable way to look at our current landscape, especially like for us, like, like a lot of tech companies, I mean, we're merging with another company, uh, a lot of companies in our space are merging everything's changing very quickly and it's very hard to stay up to date on that so it, to have that central that information centralized in one place and to make it something that's enjoyable to consume if if you do it well it's something that really stands out and that's why like like you mentioned yeah our uh, our CEO got a copy of the uh, Intel digest that right now we're still just sending for banana tag and yeah i was super super excited that yeah this is going to be a great tool for the whole organization
0: and uh nick didn't know i was going to drop that one in there that was my own secret research uh, putting you on the spot so i for, for the episodes while well, i want to get into like the actually the, the best content that lands and also techniques and tactics that you've used to generate this sort of engagement but before we get into that as well i do want because there's probably a lot of listeners i mean i was actually on the product marketing alliance uh slack just like this last week or two i was telling nick this before we went on before we went on air here is that people are asking like how do i start this thing what do i do and it was i was like friends this is perfect time and we're recording a podcast so to the listeners that were asking those questions here it is for you but i for for people that are just starting out like what's step one for them? What's step two? What are those first things that they should be doing in order to set themselves up for success?
1: Yeah, uh, in my opinion, step one, you need to have a source of truth for your competitive intel, whether that's battle cards, whether that's a Google uh, sheet, whatever it is, there needs to be somewhere that this lives. Um, I really don't think that in, that the emails can live kind of in isolation, right? Like if you, especially in most industries, if you put enough information about um your competitors in in your intel digest that nothing else needs to exist then you obviously your intel digest is going to be way too long and no one's actually going to read that so yeah step one you definitely have to have a source of truth that the intel digest is just building on top of and then step two before you start doing an intel digest is you have to think about how are you going to populate this thing what sources are you going to monitor for competitive intel? Uh, where are you going to get updates? Like, are you manually checking competitor web pages? Are you, you know, subscribing to different analysts, stuff like that? And you also have to think about who who's going to do this. Who has the time to consistently do this on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, and ensure that there's this flow of intel to actually populate the digest.
0: Brandon, do you have uh, anything as well? Because I mean, you've been hands on learning this. The, the, the startup style is you're learning on the go here. So what are some of the things that you would recommend to, what would you recommend to Brandon the six months ago?
2: Sure, no, it's, it's a good question. And full disclosure, like I more inherited an existing newsletter than started one from scratch. But I think, I think Nick nailed it. It's like you have to have a central source first and the newsletter can then become an engine on top of it. Um, but you need to have that foundation first. Um, I mean, I agree with everything that Nick said. I think maybe the one thing I'd add maybe is, especially for anybody listening that has a lot of competitors or very uh, kind of wide breadth to a competitive landscape is just prioritizing um, and picking, you know, maybe even just one or two competitors to start. Um, You know, if you were to stack rank your competitors in terms of their importance and importance is subjective, right. It could be, you know, sales impact. It could be what executive leadership cares about. It could be from a product perspective, you know, what kind of releases are coming up next, but figuring out what's really important to your readers, whether that's your product management team, your leadership team, your sales team, and then just starting small because you try to boil the ocean kind of to, you know, I feel like we're going to get into this later in this episode, but if you have too long of a newsletter, it's not going to get read. And so you need to make sure that's really high impact. It's uh, short and sweet. And I think the first step is just starting small and picking I would even say just yeah one or two competitors to start out with or kind of maybe one group of competitors if you have if you're at a larger enterprise and you have many many business units picking maybe one business unit to focus on to start um, and then scaling it from there. Oh I was just gonna say I love that that uh, it's much
1: better to have really strong intel and updates about your Two competitors that you face all the time, than about ten that you face. Then having like spotty until about ten you face occasionally, right?
0: So in terms of yeah, like you mentioned that the the content side of things when you talk about breadth. What is in your experience for both of you? What's the content that's really landed with your audience? What's the stuff that really gauges attention, creates creates a group of people that are actually going to be checking this on a regular basis and looking for your digest
1: yeah i'd say um i mean the key thing for that is you have to know your audience you have to know who your audience is and what type of content is going to engage them um i had the benefit of already having worked at in for a couple of years before we started this newsletter and um and having yeah worked with our sales teams for that time so like our our sales teams for example are quite young especially compared to a lot of uh, a lot of other companies so Really, we try to make the newsletter fun. You know, we include emojis, um, make it like very casual, uh, just, just kind of like we would uh, direct message uh, people on Slack, right? And then the other thing is talking about competitors kind of in the, in the appropriate way, I'd say, for that competitor. Like, and I'm sure everyone ha- has, uh, has competitors they think about differently. We have competitors that have great products that we really respect. Um, that may, may be a great choice for a different reason for for the prospect right but then we also have competitors that aren't aren't innovators that are just imitators that uh, are just kind of like those, those ankle biters um, you know the whatever it is the fish hanging off the bottom of the shark right and uh, and we talk about those competitors differently because we want we want our reps to think about those competitors differently
0: that's interesting it reminds me of something kind of mentioned in, in our summit the other week can Brandon this. Feel free to jump in as well for, from from an AE's perspective on how you approach the competitor. And that's funny that in your newsletter, you're kind of framing how sales should be talking about certain competitors. I know um Anti at the summit was like, kill them with kindness. Don't go straight and don't be the person that's just taking low blows. Like acknowledge where they're good at, but then where do you differentiate? Um, and then, like you mentioned on the ankle bite thing, it's like acknowledge them as that. Um, so Brandon, what, what do you think of when, when you hear that?
2: Yeah. T- to add on to that point, I think, I think there's almost layers to it because I think the, one of the privileges of a competitive newsletter is that's purely internal communications. And so you can get fun with it. You can add emojis. You know, we have this kind of, you know, running inside joke here at clue that we all love the old television series friends. And so every subject line of our digest, I put, you know, the one with so-and-so competitors rebrand, right. And for those of you that don't watch friends, every episode is named in that way. So we make it fun. I think to your point, Nick, though, like you can get pretty spicy and direct in the newsletter. There is an element of training for sales to say, Hey, let's, you know, don't go super direct, you know, you need to lay a landmine with grace and speak about competitors in a way that doesn't sound like it's, you know, you're butting heads with the the client. Uh, But that being said, if you're training your and enabling your sales team properly, the newsletter is a really fun way to, to really just go go hard in the paint, if you will, and attack competitors because this is all just being shared internally. And that's that's what I think your readers, again, depending on your culture, depending on your organization, but that's what they're really looking for in that newsletter. Like what are those really golden nuggets that I can use? Um, and when, you know what's happening recently? They wanna know the full truth. They don't want some sugar-coated positioning statement necessarily. Uh, they want to know really what's happening. Um, which competitors are really struggling? Which competitors are we smoking and just you know stealing clients from left, right, and center? That's the stuff you can put in that newsletter. And yes, there is that then the training that then needs to be done on top, so it's not like your sales reps are just walking into calls and speaking like that with uh, with the market. If that makes sense.
1: yeah, totally. I mean, you don't want um you, yeah, and just I guess to clarify a bit what I said, like you don't you don't want. Uh... uh, your reps to go and you you land, try to land those low blows or anything like that. But what you do want is with something with a competitor, that's an ankle biter competitor. You want your reps to be confident against them that like when that competitor comes into a deal that that confidence just comes across that, like, you know, it's like, so I I always say to our reps when they get, you know, they might uh, get down into the features versus like kind of feature versus feature. Uh, versus an ankle biter and I say why are we having this conversation it's like someone walking into a high-end car dealership and and saying (laughs) yeah this this looks great but you know I saw this cheap used car on Kijiji
2: and the price is like half so why wouldn't I just go with that totally and i love what you said there nick around like sales confidence it's a topic i hear you know speaking with product marketers and ci teams all the time it's like how do i instill sales confidence it's such a nuanced topic and i think something like a newsletter actually goes a really long way in driving confidence right if i'm on a you know call with a client or a prospect and a competitor comes up that i you know, haven't encountered in a while, but I read about it in the newsletter two weeks ago that Nick wrote, like, I'm, I'm just going to be a little bit more confident because I'm not going to be struggling and thinking, oh, shoot, what does that competitor do? Because I've been kind of staying up to date on the news. And, you know, I, again, can't speak as, you know, from the perspective of a product manager or senior leader, but as a sales rep, I don't have time to be, you know, scanning all of our competitors all the time. I look to our CI team uh, to keep me afloat. And one of the uh, the best vehicles for that is the newsletter. And so I think what you mentioned there around sales confidence is a huge unmeasured benefit of a newsletter is like how much, if you can, if we can measure it, how, how much more confident are your sales reps because of your newsletter? Uh, and I'm sure there would be a, a pretty significant Delta there if you if could measure that.
0: And when you talk about sort of, you I hear like confidence, uh, a bit of nuance. And um, for me personally, when I, when I read our newsletter is there's like, that storytelling and kind of memorability part of it as well. So for example, like you mentioned, like real win stories that just happened as someone, I'm, I'm not a sales rep, but I when Brandon, when you share those out and there's a little bit of context, it's like, bang, that is so tangible. If you're a seller, it's not just a, here's a position in framework. Here's what you should say. It's like, here's a real example. One of our reps just dismissing uh ankle biter, within two minutes of this conversation, like that's all they needed to do. And that kind of, I find that those parts of the newsletter, but it's just that real story to it as well. And just like a bit more nuance makes it, makes it super exciting for me as someone to read as well. I'm like, Brandon's newsletter is out. What's the recent deal we won or what's going on with the, um, with the, with a competitor's new product release or a new branding. And it's it's a great way to kind of get that that perspective from from yourself. On the other side of the coin, have you noticed specific content that maybe doesn't resonate as much with the audience or someone you tested out and you're like, ah, this didn't land as well as I'd liked.
1: Yeah, I would say um, the stuff that doesn't perform is the opposite of what I just said. So basically <laughs> basically it's the uh, stuff that doesn't know you know doesn't recognize, doesn't take account for who your audience is doesn't provide them with context as to why it's important for their roles. Like if you just share, you know, say that a senior member of the leadership team of one of your competitors has left their job. Okay, that's great, but what, what does it do for me as a sales rep, right? Um, so that's where it's really important to add that layer on top of here is why this is important and why, you know, knowing this is gonna help you sell better against this competitor. And it's also a bit of a clarifying exercise, right? Because when you're when you're going through and preparing the Intel digest, if uh, if you can't write that yourself for you know a story or an item that you're sharing, then you should probably reevaluate. Okay, well, actually, wait, why why is it that I want to share this? Right.
0: That's a uh, that's a really good point, and that's again adding on to the kind of context news point is if you can't explain why it matters, then maybe maybe it's something you're doing yourself, or maybe it's the information is not that valuable in that moment in time. Does The digest that you create, um, your newsletter, does it always follow a familiar structure or do you kind of go fast and loose with that?
1: Uh, We go fast and loose. Um, The reason for that is I think that if you have a really specific format, like say, you know, you want to have one story about new features at a competitor, one story that's like a spotlight on a deal. Then sometimes that forces you to, uh, to to reach for things that aren't there, to reach for stories that aren't important. Uh, the way that we've approached it is just putting in, you know, the five to seven stories that are the most important to to our reps at that time. Um, that's not to say, I mean, for some people, having having that structure might might be important. Like if you just have, uh, you know, absolute abundance of of content you want to share, then then maybe that's a clarifying exercise in a different way as to what's the most important, uh, you know, content for each, each category we have. But, but for us, we've just
2: done it fast and loose. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we've, uh, or I've kind of experimented with different structures, but I've, I've found that it's, it's hard to just pick a structure and stick with that week over week or month over month. Because like you said, you know, maybe no feature release got released this month uh, from a competitor that's, you know, worth, worth talking about. And sometimes there's something really big, that you want to put all hands on deck and make sure the whole digest is around this, you know, big change that's happened. You know, I'll use an example. Like if one of our competitors were to get acquired, that would be big news. And we probably want to dedicate maybe that whole newsletter about that topic and all the different ramifications. It means from a strategic perspective, a product perspective, a sales perspective, um, instead of having to, you know, force in a customer story every time or, a. You know, feature release, etc. So I totally agree with you. Uh, I like I like the fast and loose kind of model.
0: That kind of being adaptable. I guess that's something I've taken from a lot of conversations with people in charge of competitive. Is you need to be agile. You need to be the person that's responded to these things. That you're putting your sales reps or other end users um, feeling confident and that they're proactively ready to handle the thing that just came up yesterday, rather than like you mentioned, oh. This week, we've always scheduled that the third week we do a product uh, release. But like you mentioned, it might not be that relevant in that moment. Whereas if there's an acquisition or something something that's really changing the landscape in that moment, being able to be adaptable and focusing on what matters most in that moment, because this kind of dovetails into my next question, actually, is you don't want to be creating this, e- this email or this digest to be too long, right? Like where like There's going to be a cutoff point. Is, we've talked about this ad nauseum when we talk about battle cards. You need to provide the most important relevant information in a shorter um, digestible way as possible. What, what does that look like on an email side of things?
1: Yeah, I mean, we definitely try to keep ours to, I think I mentioned like five to seven stories. Um, I find that that's just like a nice length from both a visual point of view and like a content retention point of view. If uh, I would say if it's getting much longer than that, then you should probably send it more frequently. Um, our, our approach to that is just that we uh, basically we wait until we have five to seven stories and then we send one, once we've hit that point. Uh, unless, of course, there's something really important that happens in the market, and then, then we'll break that, and uh, and then maybe we'll send it with, you know, just a few.
0: Uh, let me just regain, what were we talking about there? Just uh, is there anything else on either of your notes or anything you're thinking about that you'd want to add in before we get into, like, generating engagement?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the one I would add, like, if, if you want to establish a culture where... People are submitting things to you to, to put in the Intel digest. Then it's super important to share the things back to them, right? And to acknowledge who they came from. So, for example, like with us, there's several ways you can submit Intel. You know, you can submit it through Slack. We have a dedicated uh, competitor email address that that reps can forward uh, emails to, and then also obviously we use the Clue extension so that you can tag web pages. And yeah, really, really important to, to keep incentivizing people to do that is to show them the result of, of what, uh, of, of their work of what they're submitting. Right.
2: And, and share it back to them. Yeah. One thing uh, I've been doing in my newsletter as well is like giving shout outs to specific people, even, you know, whether it's a sales rep that just won a deal against a competitor or if it's just someone that shared Intel. Um, and I, I do believe that. And I think generally a best practice we've seen with lots of clients is just those little things to incentivize or reward people, you know, especially sales reps, sales reps love recognition, just giving them that little shout out for sharing is going to make them more likely to contribute Intel, whether it's like you said, via Slack, via email, or one of those, those channels, because then their, their work is then getting recognized in the, in the newsletter.
0: It's sort of the starting point of like personalization too, because one thing with your newsletter brandon i really like in terms of because this kind of dovetails into the engagement and and getting people to consume the content you're producing is what i loved with yours in particular is there's always this very high level overview from the subject line to the first like two paragraphs you produce is like here's what you're going to be getting here it's not just random information shared it's very short and concise, but I understand what I'm getting into when I read this newsletter and right up top is those personalized shout outs. Um, so I think that that's been something as a consumer that I, as I was going through emails this morning, I'm like, what's, what's, what have I really, really liked from brand and stuff is that quick high level overview. This is what's going to matter to you. And this is the theme of the, of the newsletter.
2: Yeah. I I think that comes a little bit from like my sales training background, I guess, like when there's something in, I don't know if this is super relevant to our our listeners, but there's something in like sales training methodologies uh, called an upfront contract, which is at the beginning of a call, you know, express what your agenda is. Here's what I'm going to cover today so that you're, your customer or prospect who might have that feeling like they just walked into a used car lot. Who's this salesperson going to sell me some stuff. Uh, it's like, Hey, this is exactly what's going to be covered in this meeting. And so there's no surprises. And I, I kind of, I guess just almost accidentally applied that to the newsletter. It's like, Hey, here's here's what we've got going on this week there's a rebrand there's this change read on for more and so it's almost like a little bit of a table of contents for the newsletter um and then perhaps if if someone's reading through that and they're like you know what there's not really anything in this edition for me um then they can decide you know not to read on but uh most of the time i'm trying to entice them i'm trying to you know say hey here's some like really interesting stuff that's going to be in this newsletter there's some win stories uh read on for more um so it's kind of a way of almost being a bit of a teaser for the, for them to read the rest of the newsletter.
0: And someone on the content side of things, cutting the fluff and that teaser, that hook is something I a hundred percent, I a hundred percent appreciate Nick in your, because we haven't even really talked about this is like banana tag is internal comms. So it's sort of, this is a little bit meta, this conversation we're having right now with you, not even just specifically like a competitive newsletter, like, what's the secret really to generate an internal engagement through email?
1: Yeah. I mean, it comes back to what I've said a couple of times, know your audience um, and the more you can target your content for your audience, the better like that uh, for banana tag. That was one of our biggest breakthroughs as a product was when we added the ability to target your email newsletters by employee attributes. So making sure that, you know, people like a salesperson in Copenhagen is getting content for a salesperson in Copenhagen and they're not getting just the same content that's sent to everyone. Uh, I'll plug I'll plug one more feature about Clue that I like right now. And that's um, that's that you can uh, actually as a as a consumer in Clue, you can go in and select which competitors you're interested in learning updates about. For us right now, as we're planning how we're going to roll this out to roll this newsletter out to our our entire company, to the entire staff based organization worldwide, that's going to be super valuable for us because we have different competitors in different regions, especially between North America and Germany. There's going to be competitors that aren't relevant to everyone. And the fact that they can just go in there and self-select and make sure that they uh, they're only seeing the content that's the most relevant for them, it's going to be great for for engagement.
0: Again, it's tying into this sort of personalization, nuance, and understanding understanding your audience. Brandon, what's what else have you noticed in terms of like the pickup with the Clue newsletter?
2: I, I I totally agree with Nick there. It's, 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 it is really knowing your audience and you know that there's so many almost angles of that. Right. And we talked about emojis and making it fun. Like that's knowing your audience from like a culture and like language perspective, there's the actual content, right? If you're enabling sales, there's the types of content that sales is going to care about. So there's the actual content, you know, way of looking at knowing your audience. And I think the maybe the third angle on that I'll add is like, knowing the knowing that your audience generally whether it's a sales team or a product team or a marketing team or the leadership team is is that they're not going as deep as maybe i am or nick is and so having that you know include we call it the why it matters or the just that context of like why is this thing important you know nick you already mentioned this earlier uh, but I think it's just so critical. It's, you know, if a a senior leader at a competitive company leaves the organization, I mean, so what? What does that actually mean? And uh, I mean, yes, you could, you know, have, you know, your collection tool kind of automatically generate that. Uh, but really, it's our view AI is not that sophisticated. And and honestly, your audience wants to hear from you. Uh, your The audience wants to hear what's Nick's take on that leadership change, not what some external person thinks or what some you know, AI is thinking about that. Um, And so I think that's really important that, you know, if something happens, if a a leader leaves a competitive company, if a website changes, it's not enough to just, you know, share that with your audience. It's like knowing, okay, they want to know what I think about this. They want to know what should we do about that and how are we going to respond to that? And so um, I think that opens up a whole other can of worms, but I think it's just really important to, add that level of analysis on whatever that piece of Intel is.
0: I I suppose it's like another opportunity to validate your expertise on competitors. And also I think Nick, you've mentioned as well, like not only if they contribute stuff it's going to come back to them, but you're also putting your hand up like, Hey, like people are going to start to recognize if they did have something new about a competitor, they don't know about or they have questions to ask is like, well, Nick is the guy here for stuff on competitors and you start to build like implicit, you're starting to build this trust through just creating strong content that actually resonates with your audience. Has there been any, I don't know how to pose this question, but like, has there been any kind of what's the fallout, not the fallout, but, Any any kind of follow-up you've realized with this like the success of your newsletter from end users? Have you have you noticed anything in particular with more sharing of information or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I'd say definitely more more sharing of information, more engaging with those kind of key stories. Like I said, for us, it's kind of it's kind of ironic because we use Slack like religiously, um, even though we're an email company, right? And, uh, when I post some news about a competitor in Slack, yeah, it'll get like a couple, you know, emoji reactions and stuff like that. But that conversation really, the conversation that I want to happen really doesn't start until it appears in the, in the digest. And I think, I don't know what that is, if it's just like, because it cuts through the noise or if it's the, uh, you know, almost uh, how official it feels that it's in this, uh, educational resource they receive or probably a combination of, of the two.
2: That's interesting. Yeah. I I think I've definitely noticed anecdotally, I don't know if we've measured the slack kind of volume uh, of, of insights or, or what have you, but I've definitely noticed that more people are sharing um, insights, uh, now that the newsletter is more uh, like being actively sent out. So now we're sending our newsletter like once a week. Um, and I, I have noticed that more people are sharing insights. And so it's like you said, Nick, I think it's hard to, you know, figure out what is like the true causation of that. But I think it's a combination of, you know, they're being rewarded for it. They're getting shouted out for this. And there's also more intel being shared back with them. And they know, I think we've also built up a culture that, You know, competitive intelligence, yes, there is an internal expert to look towards, but it's also a team game that we're playing, right? As a sales rep, you know, sales reps are hearing really valuable intel from the front lines. They're speaking with the market every single day. Uh, Product managers who are doing very in-depth product research um, might Discover things that, you know, sales isn't privy to and and marketing is likely looking at things in terms of collateral or messaging and positioning uh, that other teams aren't looking at either. And so um, I think building up this culture of sharing is really important. I, again to answer your question more d- directly there Adam I don't I, I, I don't want to take full credit that it's like the newsletter that's doing that but I've definitely noticed that there's there's been an uptick in sharing and I, I do think that they are they are correlated at, at the very least
0: it's the newsletter people well last question for me Nick we we talked about in order to engage your audience well, you have to know them well is there anything you do specifically that like hooks them through to the email in those like early passages? yeah um i always i mean
1: definitely like it, it's gonna become uh it's interesting because we're going from when i joined banana tag we were 60 people now we're about 150 and we're merging with another company to make a combined company that'll be 550 kind of and, and growing fast right uh so far we've used you know we've used a lot of inside jokes we've used a lot of references to events that aren't going to translate anymore so yeah that like if, if you're in a smaller space if you're in a smaller our company where you can do that i mean that, that that's great if you can uh make it feel familiar make it feel engaging make it feel uh li- like it's uh real really connected to to the reader now as we grow we're not going to be able to do that as much but uh but definitely having information that's yeah concise and to the point having a little bit of fun and playfulness in there so that uh that people actually enjoy it and want to keep reading like you never want to seem you never want to seem ominous about competitors even if there is you know say a feature re- release that uh, that trumps something that you have yeah you you want to keep it light you want to keep building their confidence up
0: brand new have you had any jokes that have just fallen flat on their face yet
2: um i think it took two or three weeks for people to realize the friends joke in this subject line. <laughs> uh, and I was surprised by that. Um, but, uh, I digress. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like obviously, um, clue has been scaling fast We're I think beyond 150 people now, but yeah, that friend's joke isn't going <laughs> to, isn't going to last too much longer. I feel like. Um, and it, I think again, it goes back to what, you know, Uh, Nick was saying earlier, I feel like could be like the headline for this podcast episode is just know your audience, right? That's, it's so critical to, you know, adapt your communication style, but also the content depending on who you're serving. Um, And, you know, whether that's through, you know, sending out different content to different people, you know, through the platform you're using, or just, just, you know, generally uh, across your org, knowing, you know, knowing your culture, like you said, Nick, you've been at banana tag for some time before picking up uh, the newsletter or starting that, that newsletter. So you understand how, how people do things. And there's obviously going to be that challenge when, um, you know, s- staff base you know, officially emerges and now you're serving, you know, a couple hundred extra people.
1: One thing I guess I'll add to is that, um, if you, uh, yeah, if you want to make it more fun, if you want to kind of take it that extra mile, like it's not not just maybe, and maybe this will be kind of the way to go at bigger organizations is you can go out of your way to find competitive stories that are fun. um, Even if they don't maybe necessarily add value. Like one of my favorite ones to add is complaints about working at our competitors on blast door. That
0: doesn't
1: doesn't exactly make reps, uh, you know, more, uh, more powerful in deals, but it does help boost their confidence. It does give them a laugh. It does give them a reason to read. It does give them a reason to like our company and our product versus our competitors, right? So there's definitely some uh, some like little little fun things like that that you can seek out to to improve your Intel Digest.
2: Yeah, I, I love that. And I think it it kind of ties back to what you mentioned earlier, Nick, around like sales confidence. And I I keep thinking from the lens of sales because that's where I come from. But I think it's it's also a you know team morale thing, right? And, and uh, again, I maybe I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a you know product manager or a developer that's you know building clue you know how how much more connected you can feel with the product that you're building when you can read these stories about uh, real customers real people that are using the, the product and how that you know in the newsletter maybe you're talking about a competitor but they ended up choosing clue and here's why like it's it's creating that connection to uh, like the outcomes that we're driving for for clients. And so it's not just sales confidence. I think, it, you know, this is where I will, you know, maybe boost the the newsletter a little bit more. It's like, I think it can really drive, you know, full organization morale and confidence to really see, hey, this is how this is how clients are being impacted by our work via the lens of, you know, the competitive landscape.
0: And what I'm hearing from you both is, it's funny because I've talked to a lot of people and I see a lot of questions from our listeners too about, building a competitive culture and sometimes like a culture can be a bit buzzwordy. He's like, how do I build a competitive culture? I, it's hard to measure. It's hard. To, it's not tangible, but I didn't realize before we enter this conversation that the newsletter feels like it's been a staple of building a competitive culture through validation of your own expertise, getting, um, getting employees to share things back with you. And really kind of have fun with it and like create sort of a personality. Like there's a face to the competitive team as well.
1: Yeah, totally. That's a, that's a great summary. And I'm definitely
0: going to steal it. (laughs) I need credit for it. All right. (laughs) I think that is everything. All the questions that I have, I know that our listeners are going to have a ton more because as I mentioned, there were specifically people asking, how do I start a newsletter? Where do I go? So Listeners, if you have any questions, fire them my way, fire them our team's way. I will bug Nick to join us again. I'll bug Brandon on Slack, and we'll make sure to get all of those questions answered. But in the meantime, Nick, Brandon, I appreciate your time, and thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks. This is fun. We'll catch everyone next week.